a beautifully recorded piano played by a, a master of piano is always going to sound better than me drawing in some MIDI. You know, it's never going to compete. I don't know, I'm just, just a big big sampler. I sort of always have been, and it's just kind of how I, because I like, love listening to music, it kind of just, just works that way, I guess. This is the Last Week Liquid Podcast. What is up, you ledges? Hope you're all doing great out there. Welcome back to the Last Week Liquid Podcast. My name is Simon, and I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I'm bringing you my chat with Sam, better known as Tokyo Pros. Quick housekeeping as always before I leave you to the episode. We are on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, probably a bunch of other podcasting platforms. Please go and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. Uh, give it a rating if you're listening on Spotify. It really, really helps out uh, other people discovering the show. So thanks a lot for doing that. If you haven't yet, check out our Discord server. Uh, and finally, if you want to support this show, if you enjoy what I do here, if you want to get early access to episodes, ask questions to future guests, all of that is happening over on Patreon. This week's shoutouts go out to my Liquid Legends top tier supporters, Christian Smith, Elliot Berger, George Elliot, Graham Metcalf, Nathan McKay and Steve Nelson. Big ups to you guys and big ups to all the other uh, Patreon supporters. On to the episode now. Love this chat with Sam. Uh, huge fan of his music. Uh, been quite a while since his last uh, last project, so I was really excited when Lensman got in touch and asked if Sam could come on the show for his upcoming project. We talk about uh, that project at length, uh, called Twelve Tones. Um, we talk about why Sam leaves such long periods of time between his projects and how he manages to not feel too much of the pressure of constantly having to release. We talk about his love of music uh, and how he goes about uh, sampling. Uh, we actually dive into quite a few techniques that he uses to to sample, which I think you guys are going to find really interesting. We talk about what it was like moving from New Zealand to London for a year and a half uh, and the challenges it brought and a lot of other topics. So yeah, really love this chat. Hope you guys do too. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I love hearing back from people. So don't hesitate. Drop me a message over on my socials. I get back to pretty much everybody. And that's about it for now. So as always, thanks a lot for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Last Week Liquid podcast. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Sam, better known as Tokyo Pros. Sam is a drum and bass producer and DJ hailing from New Zealand, which releases across the likes of the North Quarter, Footnotes and Solar. For over a decade now, he has crafted and perfected his very own version of the soulful, piano-driven liquid drum and bass that we all adore. You can catch his latest release, the 12 Tones EP, out now on the North Quarter. Sam, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Thanks very much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of work to get the, the scheduling aligned. You're in New Zealand. It's You're in the future. Stupid joke, I know, but... Yeah. <laughs> never, never, never gets <laughs> <Sorry>. old. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, so Thursday morning, Wednesday night for, for me here. Uh, how are things going, man? How are things in your life at the moment? Yeah, pretty pretty good. Pretty pretty hectic with sort of Omicron sweeping through at the moment. 
but yeah. yeah so, good, so sort of. is, is that still a thing, COVID? Because I'm in Ireland and it's like forgotten. You've moved on. Yeah, entirely. Uh, <laughs> it is for us, I guess we're sort of a little bit behind everyone else in the world. We're kind of at the middle of our Omicron peak now. Okay. Because that's sort of, yeah, we kind of kept out of the country for oh, a couple of months or a month and a bit and then, yeah, now I'm just going to take it on the chin. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah going all right. I guess you're getting the the kind of backlash of being the, like you were the first to get back to like festivals and concerts when we were all locked down in Europe and now it's kind of reversed on you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've done pretty well really, haven't we? We've sort of had almost a, a year of normality in the middle of the whole pandemic mm. where the rest of the world sort of hasn't really had that opportunity. But yeah, I guess we're, we're now getting that wave, but I guess most people now are sort of triple vexed and yeah. 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 Are like events and all of that still going ahead or is it like kind not of at the moment? Yeah. So they sort of just before Christmas or just after Christmas, just before New Year's kind of everything opened up um, after sort of our Delta wave and they sort of had a whole bunch of big festivals and things and they sort of had a good sort of two weeks where everything was going well and yeah then mm. sort of mid-January sort of shut everything down again for, for Omicron mm. but yeah it's good to sort of get a little bit of a taste in between but yeah 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 they, they, they sort of hadn't really been much since probably about August so yeah mm. August to December they sort of closed down yeah. and yeah shut down again now so hopefully things open up yeah. again in the next sort of month or so yeah yeah it's crazy how it comes and goes in waves like so many times we thought we were behind it and then yeah yeah, obviously delta then omicron it's yeah. like okay so, what's yeah. next and yeah, I don't know. fingers crossed for no more variants yeah, yeah yeah and i feel like at least in europe i don't know how it is in new zealand but here in ireland like they've lifted every single restriction uh even mask wearing and all of that and it feels very i don't know touch wood but like it feels very uh hard to imagine that they would go back to like whatever restrictions yeah. people i don't think people would like adhere, adhere to them so i don't know we'll see yeah but, hopefully yeah. all over soon <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but uh yeah just on another topic just just thought of this you're the first kiwi i get on the show so i do have to ask you are mm. you a rugby fan or not um i i am i sort of was more so in the past these days i'm sort of not as into it but yeah that's okay. a pretty pretty kiwi thing to do although yeah i guess a lot of the time people that i talk to in drum and bass are kind of that sort of quite anti that whole sort of rugby mentality of new zealand but they're the word anti yeah sort of it's kind of like the the, the the counter that is the I don't know, I've had it talked about another on that sort of New Zealand history of New Zealand drum and bass podcast about the the rugby heads and then the the drum and bass heads and that the oh really <laughs> there wasn't that much overlap but no, there probably definitely is the, so. <laughs> well I know I am because I'm a huge yeah. like rugby fan uh, being half Irish I follow the Ireland team quite closely uh, and I have a drum and bass podcast so I guess that's one yeah. overlap for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys have done a right recently against us. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to like yeah. put salt <laughs> in your wounds, you know. But uh, that match—I don't know if you watched it back in November—the the friendlies, yeah. the game we played here in yeah. in Dublin was 
one of the best games I saw Ireland play in a in a long time. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I think I did watch. I'm struggling to remember it a bit, but yeah, yeah, no, it, <laughs> I remember. It was, I remember the result. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was brilliant, and it was like a really tense game as well. Uh, no, yeah, it was brilliant, but then yeah, it, there was a lot of excuses that like New Zealand, would, you 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 guys were kind of at the end of your season, I think by then. Yeah. While while here in Europe we were kind of starting, so it's like oh yeah, they were kind of tired, whatever, and yeah. I was like. Guys, let's just take the win, you know. Like, yeah, it's never met it before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And uh, but yeah, I don't know if you watch like this. Well, it's probably hard for you to watch the Six Nations at the moment. Like, uh, but uh, Ireland are doing pretty well. Not as good as France, but uh, they're on the roll. I, I think they're. Hopefully, they don't peak before the World Cup. There's a yeah. World Cup in in two years, a uh, year and a half. Um, I don't know if you'll be watching that, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of probably my my peak watching time is sort of around World Cup. So yeah, mm. yeah. Try to try to recover in between World Cups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you actually kicked us out in the last World Cup, the one in Japan. We lost to we lost to New Zealand in the quarterfinal, which kind of made sense. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> don't just don't so, take it too badly. No, no. I mean, when you lose to New Zealand in rugby, it's like I don't know losing to Brazil back in the days in, in football. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what can you, mm. what can you do? But uh, anyways, so uh, yeah, man. So we're talking a week, roughly a week and a half before the the drop of your, your new project on the North Quarter. Um, people will be listening to this right after it dropped. So uh, how are you feeling pre, pre-launch? Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy with it. I think it's sort of come together really well. I guess it, in terms of what I was, aiming for with the EP in terms of just trying to sort of infuse as much sort of music in there as I could. I was sort of really, really happy with the outcome and yeah, super stoked with how the artworks turned out and mm. the remix that Saddle's done is awesome and yeah, good to get FD on there as well. Been chained to him for a long time, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah really stoked with it. Do you get a, it's a question I like asking my guests, but like does it get easier to release with time because you've been releasing forever but I guess especially for you just because you often leave long gaps between projects is it like like new again to release or are you kind of used to it? Um, kind of used to it a little bit I guess it's sort of I, I should probably make more of a song and dance about it I think but I, <laughs> I, I sort of I'm, I'm sort of so slow at sort of pulling these things together that yeah, by the time it comes out, I'm sort of, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've heard other people talk about this. Sort of by the time something comes out, you've kind of, you've you've spent so much time focusing on the project and sort of getting it to, to where you want it to be that it's hard to to, to still love it. But I, I I guess this project I do, really. I'm still mm. really excited about the tunes and sort of put them in mixes or play them out and I sort of, yeah, do sort of feel really great about them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get just a question straight off the bat. Where does the... Did the idea to name the the EP differently than just one of the tracks of the EP come from? Because that it's not that common. Um, um, it's I think it's it's something that Lensman likes to do for the North Quarter. He doesn't really like to have yeah. the have have the EP name the same as one of the tracks. And I think the main reason is that it's sort of as you're kind of saying this this is the best track on the on the EP and this is mm. the main track you should listen to whereas he sort of 
I don't know. You can ask. You can. You should ask him when you get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. What what I what I think is that yeah, it sort of maybe detracts from the project as a whole and kind of puts one one song on the spotlight. But it's actually a, yeah. a fuller body than, of work than just one one song. Yeah. Because yeah, initially I thought I was like, yeah, it's going to be named this EP, which well, after after one of the tracks. But he's like, no, nah, well, nah, need a new name. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you have named it if it was one of the tracks? Um, probably Psychotash. That's my favorite of the tracks. Well, it's the it's the one that I'm sort of really proud of. Yeah, it's the one where I sort of kind of got to the end of the song. I was like, shit, how did that all come together like that? That's yeah. That would have been my answer. That's my favorite as well. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, I had a look online. Is it actually a like a vegetable dish? Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's <laughs> okay. also other like jazz song. There's like a Herbie Hancock song called Sakatash as well. And a heavy what? Sorry, a Herbie Hancock song called Sakatash. Oh, Herbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a, it's a cool song as well. And yeah, I don't know. I just I just like like the like the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much it reflects the the ambience of the of the track, but it it does sound mysterious. And if you don't know what it means, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't was it Sylvester and Tweedy? Doesn't one of the the cats say it like suckering Sakatash or something as well? Oh really? <laughs> I haven't. That's, I, I haven't think watched that in a long time. That, that's my. That's the like the third interaction I've had with the word Sakatash, I think. But yeah. ah, okay. is it like yeah. a recurring theme in your life? You're like, okay, I need to name a track like this now. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I just sort of have a. I don't. Most producers probably have it. Just a massive list of, as you sort of, just come across names that are kind of interesting. Sort of just chuck them in there. Yeah, bring this yeah. on your phone, and when you kind of write something, open it up and try to work out what what kind of fits with the song. Yeah. So, so what kind of made that track, I guess, special, or like, do you remember writing it specifically how it how it came together? Um, a little bit. I was trying to think out the other day where where the piano sample came from. I guess it's just one of those ones where you got like a a really great sample that was kind of build the was kind of the spine of the track and then managed to get like just other samples that sort of just really played off it really nicely and you just sort of elevated the whole thing into sort of quite a cool piece of music I think and yeah just just one where everything sort of fell together I guess when I'm mm. writing music I'm not that consistent a producer I'm quite reliant on sort of getting a bit of luck in the studio and having that sort of <laughs> that serendipity of things kind of falling together for me which yeah. is probably why I'm not that not that prolific is because yeah it's sort of I spend a lot of time sort of digging samples and listening to music and I guess I'm sort of first and foremost a music listener and enjoyer and mm. yeah it, you're just sort of just that luck of kind of, oh, yeah, you get this piece of music and you're going to search through your samples and all your library and sort of just keep playing with stuff and things just, they just fit sometimes and it kind of, yeah, yeah kind of really, really happened with that and it was, yeah, three or four different samples all from totally d different bits of music and they all just sort of, just sort of seemed to work. Yeah. I'm kind of curious if, like, did you get that feeling, like, while you were writing the track as it was coming together that, like, okay, yeah, this is pretty strong, this is probably going to make the cut or is it more like once you're done and um i don't know when you when i'm writing music there's always like a little bit of it if you kind of get like a really kind of something kind of going there's always that, that little bit of excitement and you kind of just want to just kind of ride that ride that feeling and wave and just kind of mm. flesh out as much of the sort of the key idea and sort of trying to 
capture that that magic or whatever you think you've got. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I, I was I did sort of have a good feeling about the song when I wrote it, but then there's other songs that I've written and I've gotten to the end and I've sort of just gone, oh, yeah, don't know if I like it. Like I think at the end of when I'd written Innate Motion, I'd sort of the the working track was just, yeah, nah. Because I'd sort yeah, of like, yeah, red. I don't know, if, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like, I don't know if it's good or not, and I was sort of like, oh yeah, nah. But then, yeah. but then now when I look back on it, it's like probably one of the favorite things I've done. But I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know, and sometimes you sort of, yeah, not so sure. Yeah, but I think that's where a really good label and really good A and R steps in, and they can kind of look at the. 10 tracks or whatever that you're proposing to them and they can really say, okay, this one is special. These others are kind of average. And I guess that's a big role that Lenson plays. Yeah. Yeah. And he's sort of super, super hands-on. I'm not sure if you've spoken to others about it, but he's very involved and he'll he'll put the microscope on everything and Mm. he's got a a great ear and kind of definitely knows what he likes. And um, he's he's usually, usually right when I look back on it. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, so I sort of, yeah, I sort of, yeah, I do really, really tr- trust what he says when I'm when I'm sort of sending him stuff. He's like, yeah, this is a great track, but do this or yeah, this one probably not for me. And you, yeah, you look back on it a few months later, you're like, yeah, yeah, he's probably mm. right. So these days, I sort of just kind of, <laughs> yeah, pretty happy to pretty happy to just take <laughs> take him as, as what he's saying straight away. <laughs> yeah. How hands-on does he actually get? I haven't really digged into this with previous um, Northcore guests. Pretty hands-on when he need, needs to, I guess. It, all, all, all people that when they write music will probably put the microscope to their own work and, yeah, I guess Lensman will put the Hubble Space Telescope up to it and <laughs> yeah. and write in, he'll, he'll, yeah, I, I guess maybe that's the sort of, that value of having a, a, a set of, a new set of ears that he'll, He'll just kind of pick mm. up and say, "Oh yeah, at so many so seconds, just put a little bit more reverb on that, or you just need to turn a tiny bit of reverb up on the hats, or mm. oh yeah, just you yeah, move this a little bit here." And if he needs to, sometimes I'll send tracks and he'll be like, "Yep, that's it, done." Yeah, he won't say anything, and you're like, Phew. <laughs> "But yeah, yeah. no, nah, he he's 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 got a pretty high bar." Yeah, is that is that something that's that's sometimes like hard to take in. Like if he's like more um, reverb here, less reverb there, more here, less there. And you're like, actually, I quite, I kind of like it. And uh, it's pretty subtle stuff. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't really change the artistic feel of the music. It's not like, I, f- I feel like, oh, he's just totally taking on my track and trying to turn into a Lensman track. I sort of, <laughs> <laughs> it, it still, it still sounds the same. It just sounds better, you know, like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I've never, I've never had, I know some artists don't like people telling them how to make their music and I've never had that problem. I've always sort of been open to other people's opinions and all ears to particularly the people that I sort of really respect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess if it's in the, the mix down phase, that's, that's different because you can make subtle yeah. changes if, yeah. Yeah. Even like musical phrasing and things like, yeah. Um, the tune's got to be at a certain certain point before you'll even get into those sorts of discussions like it's got to mm. either, either you've, you've kind of caught something when you're writing your music or you haven't and if you haven't there's no point getting mm. into these discussions and trying to <laughs> turn it into something that's 
that's going to make it. Turd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, got, it's got to have, it's got to have, yeah, it's got to be all pretty much there before you even get into that sort of level of detail. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you, how did your collaboration with the Northcore start? Like, how, when did you guys get it um, introduced and all that? So I've been chatting to Lensman for like probably twelve or so years now. So. Yeah, when I guess when I started getting into the mixing and stuff, I was sort of really, really into his music and sort of started sending him pretty early stuff. So even before we'd released anything properly, so I guess the first big, the first proper release that we did was um, the introducing Tokyo Pro's EP, and mm. I was chatting to him before that. And like, I think when I wrote Saving Grace, he was sort of the first person that after after Jeff that I sent it to, and he was like, yeah, yeah. This is, this has got it, like, and just sort of did a few tweaks to the drums, and he was the, the first person to sort of jump on that. So he's sort of been a, a strong supporter from the start. Mm. Yeah. So it's and then sort of changed him for years and years, and I guess when the North Quarter started, I sort of took a, took a keen interest in that, and then, um, I guess at, at at the time I was sort of more focusing on uh, Samurai and Solar, but yeah. sadly. One of those doors shut, and then the other door kind of, I guess, samurai music kind of progressed in a sort of direction that was kind of different to what I was doing. So mm. there wasn't wasn't really such a good fit anymore. Mm. And yeah, I'd sort of chatting to Lensman, and yeah, I think I, I think I was already talking to him about doing an EP before those other doors kind of shut, and mm. that kind of made it all happen, I guess. Yeah. Didn't your your album come out as as like an EP that was supposed to be on Solar and an EP on yeah. the North Core that you kind of put together? I, I think I read something like that. Yeah, so I had a EP, like a four foot EP for Solar. So there's when Marcus sadly passed, I think there was four EPs left. There was a, a Mako one, a LSB one, a Tokyo Prose one and a Spectrosol one. Mm. So I think those ones, well, I think there's a whole bunch of other releases that were kind of lined up, but those were the ones that had gone into sort of manufacturing and they had done test presses and stuff for. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that, that I guess, yeah, and then I had a whole bunch of songs whilst that one was kind of up in the air, whether it was coming out or not, that were with North Quarter. And when when it was clear that it was never going to come out, I sort of shoved the two EPs together and did a few more songs and pieced mm. it into um, the Wild Grace album. Yeah. Which you, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I forgot what I was going to say as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think all, all, all those EPs came out sort of in the original envisaged form from by Marcus. Yeah, yeah. And no, I was just going to say, I think that was the album that you dropped, kind of like just by surprise, almost. Like there wasn't any yeah. promo for that album or anything. It was like, oh, here's an album. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, those tracks had sort of been floating around in a few mixes and things for a while, so mm. people kind of didn't know about them. But just yeah, in the end, because it sort of been sitting around for so long, it was best just to kind of yeah su- surprise people. I don't, I don't, I sort of don't really do that deliberately, but well, it seems to yeah. work these days where people have a short, people have sort of shorter attention spans. And yeah, you're definitely not a like social media guy. I guess, <laughs> like you, no, I, you, you, you post about like releases and stuff, but besides that, there's not a lot of info to gather about you. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not really like a TikTok guy or like a Instagram stories. Oh yeah, jumping on the plane because maybe my life's a bit more like just music's not really that that bigger. <laughs> Writing music and the Tokyo Pro thing isn't. It's just a small portion of my life, I guess. It's not not a yeah. not a not a major part if I think about it in terms of how much time I dedicate to it and spend doing it. It's sort of just a bit more of a a pastime and a hobby that I've kind of been lucky to have a bit of success in and managed yeah. to you know, do a few gigs and things and release some music on some labels that I really love. Yeah. T- t- tell me about the the other part of your life then. I th- you mentioned so you're a water engineer? Yes, yeah, so I'm a water engineer. I've sort of been doing that for 13 or so years now, um, okay. both in New Zealand and the UK. So sort of designing and project managing the stormwater systems of drainage and pipes and wetlands and yeah, all the stuff that people don't really think about. So just just managing water, where, where all the water goes when it rains. Essentially, is kind of what I ah, okay. what I do. Lots <laughs> okay. of work for sort of councils and governments and okay. Uh, so like in s- yeah. So like mostly in like cities, like densely populated areas, or like. Yeah, a bit of a mix of cities and new motorways and mm. yeah, so that, that's my kind of core skill area, I guess. But to do a lot of sort of general project management and sort of general water-related projects as well. Yeah, how how did you get into that that field? Um, I just did, I did engineering at university, and I kind of that was always where I kind of had strength, sort of in maths and physics and those sorts of areas and then just kind of through trialling out a whole bunch of different areas at university kind of that's kind of where I sort of just naturally sat I think mm. so yeah it's I, I do sort of, it's kind of interesting to be being involved in water engineering and liquid drum and bass <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't, I don't know what, what the link is there but yeah yeah I, I was I, can't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think there are any other water engineers that write drum and bass but maybe there are uh, I don't know. I, I know there's a few uh, like engineers or developers that I've spoken to who are drone-based producers as well. But uh, yeah, I just find it interesting. Like, how how do you reconcile the fact of like being an engineer, which I guess is like very numbers, practical, all that stuff, with being a creative a creative person? Like, yeah. How, right, do, how do how do they fit uh, together? <laughs> Well, I, I suspect that's probably, I suppose, the music's probably more the creative outlet, I guess. Um, I guess there, there's some opportunity for creativity in my job, but yeah, I guess it's kind of nice just to do something that's purely creative. Mm. Just to, yeah, maybe yeah. that's why I do, that's why I write music, I guess. <laughs> yeah, to compensate for the rest. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know, I've sort of just always sort of really been a massive music listener and just just sort of naturally progress. I never sort of saw myself as going into writing music. I sort of remember initial thoughts. I kind of kind of downloaded Freddie Loops once, not really knowing what it was. And I sort of, oh shit, you've meant to use this to write music. Oh no, I don't want this uninstall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh really? Yeah. And then I don't know, I sort of, once I sort of got into DJing, I kind of realized, okay, well actually if you want to kind of, do anything with your DJing, you kind of need to write your own music to sort of get gigs and music. So, well, I guess I'll try it out and 
just kind of yeah kind of kind of happened you you're re- you're making it feel like you don't enjoy writing music where like 90% <laughs> of my listeners would dream of like producing your tracks <laughs> um I, I still I still enjoy it like if I'm sitting around I've got nothing to do I'll boot up the laptop and tinker around I sort of yeah definitely do enjoy it but it's not something I, it's not something I thought I would enjoy before I started mm-hmm. but I kind of yeah I would, I would I, I wouldn't be doing it sort of this this far down the track if it didn't take some enjoyment from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, for sure. For and sure. I do kind of notice if I don't do anything for a few months at a time, I do kind of get that itch. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I do write really sporadically. Like, I'll, if I've got a project that I'm sort of trying to finish off, I'll, yeah, definitely kind of put in some good time sort of every, every couple of days, sort of open up and throw a couple of hours at it. But mm. yeah, I can, likewise, I can go a good period of time without really thinking about it other than sort of just listening to music and adding things to Spotify playlists to sort of come back and loop back and try and <laughs> see if I can use them in songs. Yeah. It's, I find that fascinating, like the different motivations people have for writing music. I've like spoken to a lot of other artists and you can feel in them that it's the only reason they get up in the morning is to write music and they do that all day and they just have this drive to do it all the time. And other people that might be as successful or or whatever, it's more like, yeah, I like writing music from time to time. And I don't know, I just find that fascinating. Yeah, I think just the the way that I create music, it doesn't really lend itself to doing it all the time because it's so, I don't know, I was sort of just really into sampling. And I, I guess all the music I listen to is either sample-based or the stuff that people use for samples kind of per se. So because of because of that, the the actually process of gathering samples and source material is actually does take a lot of time. So if I, I sit down for, if I was to sit down every day like mm. and go through my samples I'd I think Never I'd enough. kind of run out pretty 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 quickly. Um it probably changed how I wrote music if I was doing it that often. Um yeah. for for better or for worse. But I don't know. I sort of yeah I'm pretty pretty wedded to this use of samples and I don't I don't know I've, I have written stuff like there's lots of songs I've done where I've kind of come up with the key progressions and use those in songs and I was doing that for a while and a few remixes and things and I do like that but I, I think you can't really beat kind of the the the, the, sound, the proper sound of the sound like a sample like a a beautifully recorded piano played by a a master of piano is always going to sound mm. better than me drawing in some MIDI, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do some MIDI into a VST. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, it's never going to compete. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, people like to think it can. You can, to the untrained ear maybe, or lots of people probably don't even notice, but I don't yeah. sort of, I don't know, I'm just, just a big, big sampler. I sort of always have been, and it's just kind of how I, it, because I like, love listening to music, kind of just, just works that way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it really depends also on the type of, in this case, the type of drone bass that you're producing. If you're producing the kind that you do or like Zero T or guys like that, it's heavily sample based just because of the nature of it. If you're more on the techie side or whatever, then you can get away with some, some chords quickly in MIDI. Like Yeah, because yeah, the, the focus is more sort of on the... The bass the and the mix design. downs and the kind of yeah the sound design how it sort of all 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of fits together. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's the that's the sort of music I like to listen to. But I, I still like stuff stuff like Skeptical. I just he's one of my favourite artists, but it's just not the sort of thing that I can do. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if I tried, I would never sound as good. So what's the you know? No, no, it's important. What's, to... the, what's the what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, it's important to find like. Not your lane, but like the stuff that you enjoy and the stuff you're good at, I guess. Yeah, you kind of play to, play to your strengths, I guess. I sort of, I kind of have tried all sort of different styles and a bunch of them, a bunch of different things have sort of come out over the years, but mm. yeah, I sort of do sort of more stick to my strengths, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe people get a little bit pianoed out, but... <laughs> you can never <laughs> get right. pianoed out. I I never get, it never grows old. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's you, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you look at other genres of music, and they use the same instruments, and it's like these whole genres that are just built around pianos, guitars, bass, and drums, and yeah, it's, you can reuse the same instruments again and again and create new things. So you don't have to invent yeah. a new, totally new synth sound every time you <laughs> write yeah. something. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and I was listening back to your like older discography while I was preparing for this chat and I was listening to uh, Saving uh, yeah Saving Grace from, from 2011 yep. and that almost felt like mixed down, set aside it could have fit on, on this EP, you know because yep. it's, it's so similar in, in style and in, in, in vibe I guess for lack of a better word uh, I'm kind of curious yeah, how much of that is like a conscious choice on your side to I guess just stick to that formula. Um, it's probably just more of a reflection of how much I write music. I guess I've, because I do it so sporadically and in small bursts. I don't. I, I don't really sort of when I sit down and write something. I kind of try to make it count. Right, like I try and try to get something mm. out of it. So maybe I, maybe if I had more time and experimented more, maybe myself would have shot off in different directions but on the other side I guess that's just my taste in music that that's stayed the same when I, when, when, when I hear a sample <laughs> and I kind of flesh out and write a bass line that's just kind of where my yeah. where my taste kind of go to yeah but yeah, but yeah I, I guess that more, more musical style I, I find I kind of find it doesn't really age because it's not really like a fad it's not such a yeah, so some other sort of some other tracks and things you you hear like a I don't know like a foghorn or something, and then it's, it's always going to kind of put it to that time. Yeah, it's going to it's going to time stamp it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's pros and cons to both because obviously, if you're in, in the thick of what's popular in the moment, like foghorns or screechy basses, that's going to get played out a bunch. But maybe not in two years' time. So it's like, what do yeah. you prefer doing? It's a tricky one. But yeah, I don't know. Everyone can do whatever they want. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And there's enough, I mean, there's enough ears to listen to all styles of drum yeah. and bass anyway. So that's not the, that's not the issue. Mm. But um, yeah, so maybe t j take me back a bit to like when you learned music, because I read you were a trained pianist. Which, oh. <laughs> I, I, which which I found really interesting when you say that you sample pretty much everything. 
Yeah, I think trained pianist is probably going too far. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did do lessons when I was a kid, and then if maybe seven or eight years ago, I sort of started picking up lessons again. Um, but yeah, I was sort of just, in the end, I was sort of struggling to commit enough time to kind of get good. I was sort of finding out it's been like half an hour, an hour a day, just really sitting down and hammering it out. And yeah, be- between having a full time job, uh, <laughs> trying to write some music on the side, a wife and kids, it, it was just a bit hard. I sort of, yeah, would really love to be able to play the piano really well, but mm. yeah, definitely can't play properly. Um, I played guitar for a number of years as well, but haven't really picked that up for a while. Sort of just sitting in a case upstairs, gathering dust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you'd be ready for your kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that they like to play with it. Yeah. So, so, so when did the? Because you mentioned you started DJing first before production. When did that kind of come into your life? Um, so towards the end of university, so I was sort of in my. It's maybe like 20-ish, um, so 15 or so years ago. And I sort of, yeah, I, know, I just always sort of love music and the kind of next step was to get some turntables and then kind of just, yeah, really got into buying records and things. And mm. that's kind of kind of still what I still kind of keep doing now to this day. I suppose I started off buying lots of drum and bass, but now I sort of buy lots of jazz and soul and, all sorts really mm. world music Brazilian stuff and that's mm. that's kind of what I really still enjoy doing instead of just just listening to records and yeah <laughs> it's funny hearing you speak it feels like you're really like a music aficionado and but production <laughs> is kind of more like in the background like you kind of produce when you have time <laughs> yeah I, yeah I don't know I just I've kind of come across this concept recently of sort of music for well-being and I kind of just like the idea of some people go off and do yoga, some people go for a run. I guess I just, I just like to sort of sit down and listen to music or that's kind yeah. of what what gives me sort of well-being, I guess. And yeah. The, I guess the music is that I write is kind of a bit of a byproduct at the very end of that process. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. It's something I started doing recently with my wife is to like just sit down and listen to an album like from start to finish and not do anything else while we're doing yep. it. I and <laughs> like I, I used to do that when I was like a kid and uh, at home and I'd have my CDs and then I'd come back from school and pick the CD and usually Blink-182, but could be something else. Yep. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah for... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I didn't do it for years and years because life and stuff. And we started doing it recently again, and it feels amazing. Like just sitting down, choosing an album and listening it from start to finish. Yeah, I think before I did my first album, I was kind of quite conscious of, yeah, I just kind of just changed how I listen to music. I'd gone through that stage of kind of just listening to lots of individual tracks. And I was like, okay, actually, let's... I had quite a long, I was living in the UK at the time and I had like quite a long commute so I'd have like an hour and a half so I could yeah, literally just put on an album and listen to the whole thing from start to finish and sort of think about how it progressed and mm. listening to every different element and yeah, I sort of really got into listening to full albums. Yeah. What, are, what are kind of like landmark albums for you 
like not in drone bass, just just in general, like albums you tend to come back to again and again over the years. Um, well, there's a few that uh, D'Angelo Voodoo is a big one. Um, there's an Omar Jamal record that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Donuts is a big one. I'm Jay Diller. Just sort of almost finished reading. There's a new book on Jay Diller. So sort of, yeah, I sort of really like getting into sort of listening and about how the albums were made and things as well. Mm. Um, what else? Um, there's a Lewis Taylor album that I've been listening to heaps and heaps. It's it was written in like '94 or '95, but it's he's a UK sort of soul singer, but sounds like D'Angelo before D'Angelo, which is it's okay. just like an amazing album. So yeah, that's one that's been on high rotation recently, and one of one of those albums where every song you kind of listen to, and the the first minute of the song is kind of alright, but it, by the end of the song, it's sort of a totally different song, and it's just mm. massive. And <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, definitely check that one out. Yeah, yeah. So you're definitely more of a soul, hip hop to some extent kind of guy. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, most of my record collection that's that's not drum and bass is soul, um, hip hop. Quite a lot of eighties boogie and stuff as well. Um, mm. And yeah, but bunch of sort of house and sort of UK based music as well. Mm. Yeah, these days I'm mostly sort of buying jazz and Brazilian stuff. Brazilian stuff, okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not an expert, but it's <laughs> dev, dev stuff that I really like. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's a world of music out there that I have no idea about, and I'd love to get into all yeah. of it, but there's so limited yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a play- playlist of Brazilian stuff if you want to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Too. Yeah. What what would be like a leading artist that I might know or I probably won't, but um I really I really like like Milton Nascimento and um I don't know how to say it like Lo Lo Bish. Okay. Um, yeah, they've got a um one really great album called like Club de Messina. Yeah. Okay. That's that's one that I really love and um don't know. I sort of I always get confused. Like I always have to like open up my discogs and kind of look back and see, oh yeah, what what actually am I listening to? Because I always get like <laughs> I kind of look at it, but I just get to the stage now where I've sort of the brain's a little bit full. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I just, yeah. struggle to remember names. I can kind of like <laughs> I could tell you like all about the album and the, what the cover looks like, but I just forget what it's called or yeah, who, who the artist <laughs> is and things. But yeah, any um, like recent albums stuff that that came out. Like recently, that you're like really digging. Uh, most of the recent recent stuff is that I'm listening to is more like reissues of sort of <laughs> rare rare records. So I guess not remastered stuff. <laughs> yeah, or, or that sort of stuff that used to sit on discogs, and if you wanted to buy it, it's sort of four or five hundred dollars, and it's mm. <laughs> some super rare pressing. But yeah, one of the reissue labels, like Mr. Bongo or someone's managed to get the original masters or a really great. Um, original copy and if you've kind of remanufactured it and reissued it hmm. that, that's kind of m- more what I'm listening to okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you just mentioned there earlier and I wanted to chat to you about this um, you lived in London for a few years um, what would you say is one thing that London has that you loved that you don't get in in New Zealand, um, 
the main thing that sort of we really enjoyed is just being able to kind of just how close it was to other places in terms of like you can just go away for a weekend okay we'll go to spain for the weekend or we'll go to germany or wherever you want to go you sort of just jump on a plane and yeah you're going to spend more time getting to the airport than actually on the flight mm. um, and in new zealand sort of you can't really do that you can go to australia but even then it's not not really cheap and it's quite often sort of three or four hours flight still whereas mm. yeah it was, it was definitely cheap in the uk um that's probably the main thing just being able to travel and see all these different parts of europe and cool things and yeah yeah it's a, it's a bit a bit more isolated in new zealand but it's a it's a nice place to be isolated yeah no definitely yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah I, I don't miss the sort of pace of life there like going to catch up with someone and you have to go see them on the other side of London and it takes you an hour and a half to go get see mm. them. You catch up for an hour and then you catch the tube back and walk for another hour and a half. It's like, okay, you've, you've spent four hours catching up with someone for an hour. It's sort of yeah, yeah, it's not really worth it. <laughs> Is it as a whole, I don't know, did you, it was like a year and a half or two years that you stayed in? It was about that. We sort of, yeah, yeah. when we got there, we sort of, Spent the first sort of four months just sort of just traveling around Europe and connecting as many places as we could with via train and then yeah then worked there for about a year and a half after that yeah would it be a I'm just kind of reflecting on my level because I lived in the last two years I was living in Hong Kong which oh, yeah. is like kind of other direction from Belgium where where I was living uh would it be like an experience you'd want to do again, like moving so far away from home, and um, probably not with kids and stuff now. I guess we're kind of pretty pretty settled now. It was definitely something that I really valued doing, and definitely glad I did. Um, mm. But yeah, pretty 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 settled back here in New Zealand now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, it's kind of nice just to go for a holiday but it's yeah it's a bit of a bit of a trick yeah yeah i guess for traveling it's something we take for granted all the time in europe it's like how close everything is and you can just do a weekend wherever you want whenever yeah. you want kind of yeah but because you can people don't like i'd sit next to people at work when i was there and i'd be like oh like we have to this weekend oh you're gonna barcelona or something He's like, oh yeah i've never been to spain in like <laughs> What do you mean you've never been to Spain? Like you live like you could go any weekend and it's like an hour's flight and you, you've never been. Yeah. <laughs> because you can go any time, you just sort of just put it off and maybe they'd be in Ibiza or something, but they'd never really. Just a recount of Spain. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. But yeah, because we were there, we sort of made the most of it and yeah. Yeah. But likewise, people come to New Zealand and go all, all around and. I've seen quite a lot of New Zealand, but mm. I'm sure there's tourists that have seen bits and parts of the country that I haven't seen that are, because I live here, there's no urgency to see them. Yeah, you're always kind of the worst tourist of your own country, I feel. Like there's yeah. a ton of cities I've never seen in Belgium, for example. And <laughs> it's you feel you, you'll always have time to do them eventually. And then, I don't know, you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't prioritize it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, there's a bunch of like British people I've talked to on this podcast who've like I'm in Dublin now that have never been to Ireland. And it's like, guys, it's like one hour flight and it's yeah. 
the well, why not? most amazing country. Like, <laughs> so much better than your country. <laughs> exactly. Like on so many different levels. I'm kidding. Yeah. But uh, no, it is a beautiful country. I don't know. If, have you ever been to Ireland? No. See, I, I never made it to Ireland or, or Scotland or anything. We just sort of just flew south and east of Quite, the UK. When you're in London, you tend to go more towards the Spains and Italys and stuff like that. And the, the nicer weather. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I can imagine how with kids, I don't know how old they are, but how like challenging that can be to move so far away from, from home. Yeah, so they're four and nearly two. Mm. So pretty, pretty young still. Yeah, yeah. Just going to bring it back slightly to production because i had a few questions from from patreon uh namely from uh nathan who had a bunch of questions on your like production techniques and stuff Let's like go. that yeah. and <laughs> but he he wanted to preface by saying that your presence album was a a huge inspiration for him uh oh, and the single from his first album uh was largely influenced by your work so he told me to thank you for your, your work and your influence. Oh, no worries, I have to, have to look, up, look up Nathan's stuff. Um, but yeah, so I guess the big question, which we haven't really delved into, is uh, regarding your piano techniques. It's like really your trademark sound pretty much. So he, he was kind of curious what kind of either plugins or sampling techniques or tools in general you use to, to work with piano. Um. I prefer to use samples, which I'll kind of usually, I'll usually chop them up in audio in Ableton almost, like I'll just chop all, all the individual slices. I won't even put them into a sampler quite often. I'll just kind of get them all and move them around and I might play with the pitches. So, sometimes I'll put into sample if I just kind of want to trigger them, but quite often I'll sort of just click around with my mouse and move them around and try to get something to to fit. And some sometimes you just get lucky and you've got a bit of a loop there or half a loop that you can kind of turn into something. Mm. Um, if I'm writing my own piano, um, there's a plugin I usually use called Alicia's Keys. Mm. So I've, I, um, recent ones I've used that on like Jackknife. I did the piano four on that. Um, that's the stereo or the saddle and stereo remix of all my life. I did. I wrote the piano for as well, and same with um, Alice, Alice B and Darius Rise and Fall. I used that for that. Um, there's actually a, an app that I've got on my phone that you can kind of just tinker away on, and you can pick a key, and then you can sort of choose all the different chords and things. Mm. Let me try and find out what it's called. Um, yeah, I've seen a few like that. They, they seem pretty nifty. Um, it's called Suggester. So I think it's called something like Chord Suggester. Okay. And um, you you just literally choose the chord, uh, the the key, and then it'll just list off all the chords of and and in order. You can sort of just go through and just kind of pick a whole bunch that you like, and then once you've got the ones that you like, you can kind of put them in order and then send it off as MIDI, and then use that MIDI and pull them apart with an Ableton and play with the timings and kind of get your timings and right, get them right and often you need to mm. sort of pitch them down or add a, add a sort of a root bass note to kind of get that sort of fuller feel. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that I, uh, I kind of 
have I haven't really been using that technique recently. I kind of did those few remixes and Jackknife, and I kind of sort of kind of want to get back and want to the sampling. But the the sampling stuff, there's I don't think there's any any big secrets as to how I do it. Mm. It's sort of the secret is a good sample and yeah, <laughs> find, find, finding finding a great sample or kind of the other the other thing is actually just getting kind of getting lucky with how you piece it together. Sometimes like the sample for Saving Grace, like I probably tried using that three or four times before I kind of got it to click. Mm. And I kind of opened up the samples. Oh, there's actually some great hits here. Maybe I'll try it again. And I like, just like within the last year, I started playing with the sample again, trying to create something new and just couldn't get anything. So I don't, I don't know how I managed to turn that sample into 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 a nice riff, but yeah. sometimes you just get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and then other times yeah, well, it's sort of a loop and you just reverse parts of it or... It's yeah, more of the secret, I think, is kind of turning that loop into a whole song, and how you do yeah. that by yeah, often, yeah. You, often you just take it and reverse it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably the biggest secret is if you, you listen to some songs like "See Through Love." I spent two days trying to get something else to fit in there, and then you know, I was like, oh, I'll just take the samples and just reverse them all, and, <laughs> and so you again, then then you hear it again in reverse, and always, mm. always seems to work. Or taking one hit and then chucking in something like Paul stretch and stretching mm. it out to some crazy length and then using that as a sort of a pad or something yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that or yeah just it's just chopping up samples pitching them around and getting lucky yeah would, would you use like the the same like for a main riff the same the, the, all the hits would come from the same original sample or would you sometimes mix different samples to create like a, a new riff? Um, usually the main idea would probably be one sample, but there's lots of songs that I've got different, two different piano sections from different mm. samples and kind of put them together in different areas. Mm. Like, um, like Trick of the Light or something, there's like two different samples there. One that I kind of had to replay and overlay because it was quite a big sample even though it's just two chords or something. And then there's another sort of sample that kind of plays off and like has like the little tinkering of the yeah, piano. Yeah. 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 Quite often there'll be lots of sort of a sample collage as it yeah. were. I've kind of, I've got, uh, it used to be a much more organized, but a reasonably well organized sample library. Mm. I've like, I've listened to sort of other podcasts with people like Fortet and it's kind of similar ish that I sort of just, I'll kind of have working folders. I'll have a whole folder of like all my brand new samples and they're all organized by key. But they are just the full the full song. They're not mm. chopped or anything. And then another folder, which is sort of like kind of everything that I've ever tried to sample and that's just a big folder. So you kind of ah, I'll often okay. get a new sound, try to uh, start a new song with a, a new sample and then look through other samples that are the same key either in either folder and try to piece it out that way. Mm. That's that's kind of my general workflow anyway with samples yeah. and pianos. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's just as you said, like if you feel there's potential in a sample, it's just coming back to it again and again and again until you kind of unlock the perfect sequence of reverse hits and. <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah, countless samples where I've had that experience, and you kind of yeah can't get it to work three or four times, then all of a sudden it just fits together and you're like holy shit this is this is that's, that's the one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah persistence yeah. persistence but yeah um, you've got to kind of try and make sure it's not 
too obvious as to what you've sampled and you kind of do sort of make you got mm. your own sort of twist on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nathan also asks, uh, what is your vision for future releases? That's a big question. My vision or my plans are... Um, I yeah, don't know, how, kind of, how do you envision, I guess, the future of Tokyo Pros? Don't know. I've, I've never been someone who's had a whole bunch of kind of releases lined up. Like sometimes you see people, talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, I've got a release signed up for North Quarter, this label, this one, and then I've got another one. And it's like, I've only ever been like a one project guy. <laughs> so mm. it's like, I've kind of finished this project and then move on to the next thing. So I've got, I've got a couple of new tracks I've written since that I'm pretty excited about, which... Um, I've got a label keen on, so um, I don't know. I sort of every every time I write an EP, I kind of th or an album or something, I always think, oh, this could be the last one. But mm. so far, there's always been another. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I never never quite know. I kind of let it develop quite organically rather than being too <clears throat> too deliberate with it. Yeah. So, yeah. I kind of write the music first and then kind of worry about how it's going to come out. <laughs> Mm. there's something i also wanted to ask you because a lot of uh newcomers beginners one thing when they start releasing and i know i've been there as well is you feel you have to continue to release so people kind of remember your name and you're like shit i haven't released anything for two months i need to have something out and you kind of feel that pressure yeah. how do you deal with not ha not feeling that way or maybe you do and you just hide it very well but like having long gaps of time between projects um, and being i guess comfortable with it uh i guess it's probably comes from the fact that it's kind of more of a, a side gig for me i guess if, if it was my main hustle then i probably would be a bit more worried about having to to release projects regularly and trying to kind of gather momentum and get gigs and get people's attention i guess i guess i'm pretty lucky that i've come at the stage now where the, the the handful of labels that i really really love and listen to in drum and bass i have relationships with them like people like lesman and lsb and whoever else like i kind of i kind of know where where my music's gonna where i'd like my music to come out and if it, if, if they're not interested then the songs probably aren't strong enough to come out anyway so i'll kind of just move on so i'm kind of lucky that mm. i'll in, in that respect, um, yeah, I, I guess it's yeah. I just don't really think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of yeah. I've I've never planned on music being a full time gig, so I'm kind of I kind of just do it for my own reasons rather than other people. So it's yeah. I don't I don't really seem to get hassled for people asking for music music or I, I never mm. see you when I'm saying oh, what's Tokyo Pro's up to? He hasn't released anything for for a year or something, and I don't. No one ever hits me up and says, oh, what's happening? Like, <laughs> the, the last EP I did was that Gossamer EP, and that was 2020, 20, was it? 2020th of October-ish. I, 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 I don't think anyone minds. No, oh, no one no one vocalizes it to me that they want more music, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure people are happy when new music yeah. comes out, and it kind of gives that extra... Extra flavor of like, shit, we haven't got an EP from Tokyo Pros for the last two yeah. years and now it's finally dropping. Yeah, it, it does put a bit of pressure on to make sure it... It's good. Sound, sounds all right, yeah. You can't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't yeah, leave people sure. starving then feed them shit. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> once you 
that's that's again coming back to the North Core. That's why you partner with labels like that. You're sure it's gonna be like curated. So uh, yeah, yeah, another question from from Nathan here. He was asking uh, dream collaborators, either in drum and bass or outside. Uh, any jazz artists? Question mark. Um. Yeah, there's lots of people that are. There's a few newer jazz artists that. Um, well, Oh, what are they called? Um, that UK group. Um, let me look it up. I, I have recently bought all of their albums. <laughs> how how um, many albums do you own? <laughs> records, about, about okay. a thousand. Not bad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like Kamal Williams. I've got, yeah, really love all the stuff that, He's he's doing and I'm um, like Henry were those sort of guys in terms of that into the new um UK jazz stuff. Um Robert Glasper's like amazing, but I I I don't think I'd I, I struggle to see how that how to, how it actually work. This of just people mm-hmm. that I'm really into rather than yeah I could actually see myself working with um obviously vocalists and stuff are a bit easier kind of think you kind of could you kind of come up with the music, but I think if I tried to work with those guys, you'd just be like, "These guys are real musicians. I can't really. What am I? What am I even bringing to the table here? I, I'm just pretending over here. I, I can probably write some drums that sort of work in a drum based context that you might struggle to do. But you're actually going to be far better at drums than me. I just have to like. <laughs> I don't think I'd add anything. Um. Uh, within drum and bass, I yeah, still would love to work with Caliber. I sort of have reached out and was getting close, but. Need need to kind of keep pushing that one. Yeah, yeah. Again, not too sure what I bring to the table, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'd be hard to might might be hard. I guess there are always sort of comparisons when there's someone like that that sort of has written the blueprint for the genre. Yeah, but yeah. He he he's probably the, the the main one I'd like to still do something with. But that being said, all all the collabs I've ever done, I've they've all I've tried some in person, but They've never really worked out. Mm. Um, like I had, a, I've had a couple of did a couple of studio sessions with Marcus and Telex, both in New Zealand and um, um, yeah, in the UK. But just my my style of writing, it's just <laughs> either it's going to happen or it doesn't. It just just didn't. Yeah, but, yeah. So it's kind of sometimes it's better to kind of capture <laughs> a little bit of that magic, but not really flesh it out too much mm. more than just the initial idea and go from there for me as a in terms of a process yeah yeah Yeah. because you hear sometimes people collabing like they get together in the studio and they'll write like three tracks together in the studio i have no idea how they do that (laughs) yeah i've i've tried doing that when i was living in the uk going around to look lsb's place a few times and yeah it's always great to hang out with people and sort of see how they work but nothing ever came of it that mm. the collabs that we have done have been sending parts back and forth. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Began to do some more stuff with them as well. Yeah, yeah. Coming back to Caliber, obviously, like I, it feels like a natural collaboration because because of your styles. But sometimes I wonder maybe if your styles are a bit too similar. That I don't know how much yeah. it would bring to the table. But then again, I'd love to see what you guys would do. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess he he's sounds 
lately like he's kind of moved a bit away from that sort of sampling type approach so maybe maybe I can sort of bring some of that back but yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't certainly doesn't need me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no well I'll yeah. keep pushing yeah no that, that's sort yeah. of in terms of the, the drum and bass bucket list isn't, that's it's probably the last thing on there to be fair for me mm, yeah. kind of, I've been pretty fortunate to kind of do everything else that I sort of could have hoped to achieve yeah yeah I think that's a great note to slowly wrap it up I do have one last uh, question topic I guess uh, and that's just purely out of self-interest is about your track tell me which is one of my all-time like favorite yeah. liquid tracks and oh, i guess a lot of, i guess the track that a lot of people might know you from or discovered you uh with and yeah just kind of curious if you remember either writing that track or how it came about or anything about it really yeah yeah i, I wrote that when i was still in the uk i guess it's. It was a track that I wasn't really too sure about when I'd sort of written it. I, I, at one stage, I was almost going to do it as a, as a free giveaway. I sort of wrote it reasonably soon after finishing the Presence album. Um, one of those ones where it just sort of fell together. Like, I, th I think the piano is, was there's a reverse piano just from a sample pack, so it's not it's not some sort of deep cut sample <laughs> and I think I've actually used the pianos from that same sample pack for a few other tracks as well <laughs> yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know maybe I shouldn't say what it is I'm sure people want to know um, but then yeah laid it up and just had a, had a, had a vocal that I, I, I kind of heard it used in a Moody Man track and kind of I, I don't know I spent quite a lot of time sort of looking at where people get their samples from and using that sort of track down and see what else is there and use mm. a different part of the same sample but well, yeah, just sort of, the, sort of fell together, and then there's sort of like a, there's like a guitar solo that it's just I just like dropped another track on, and it's like, yeah, just just worked. I think this thing it's a version of um, like a mini Ripperton song or something. Okay. Um, Inside my love or something. I think it's is that's that's what the guitar sample is. It's, it's not her recording, but someone else's. Okay. Um, and yeah, it just sort of fell together. And then I kind of had it sitting there for a while. I wasn't too sure, like, what was going to happen with it. But then I sort of had a had a solution gig booked with Marcus. So we went up north to, to that, and I sort of was kind of thinking, okay, well, I better have a, a good set of tracks to play, to sort of play them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and that that was the one that really really caught us here and um went down to I think it was to Birmingham that night and just to I was sort of just tagging along. Well he he did a gig with Doc Scott. Um and it was actually a pretty funny gig because he he was playing and I think when Doc Scott finished he like ripped his headphrones out. Okay he, out of out of the mixer, but it pulled the actual mixer fitting. Oh shit. <laughs> so he couldn't <laughs> So Marcus is standing out there and played for about the first fifteen minutes DJing no headphones, no oh, headphones, just kind of like <laughs> curing it up, playing it in, and he'd sort of just like flash it in and kind of hear whether it was whether it was sort of beat match, and <laughs> still it's still better than most DJs that I've ever seen. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, the, and then then they had to do like a so I think this one like it was like a Boxing Day gig, and yeah, DRS was there as well. He sort of drove down with us, yeah, and so they had to do like a a, a little a little sort of switch over 
obviously to put a new mixer in by the time they'd found one and I think that I think Tell Me was the first song you played after that and it sort of worked and then that's kind of how it all fit together. Eh? So it was mm. he's like, Oh, can I can I have this one? I'm like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So you finished the track like literally like days before before that? Oh no, no, I'd I'd had it sitting around for a month or two okay. at least. Because, yeah, I'd sort of I'd finished the album but didn't really know what I was doing after that. And it, I think I sent it to Alice B or someone, and he saw like, there's actually more of the vocal used. And I sort of I kind of trimmed it back just to sort of one sort of main main verse. And mm. yeah, it was sort of sitting around, and I was sort of just wasn't too sure there's nothing, nothing happening with it, but I sort of kind of kept it pretty tight. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really, yeah, didn't know at the time that that was going to be a, my biggest one. But yeah, it is a the huge track. That's the way the algorithms work these days. It just, <laughs> just the, the big songs just take all the limelight and get bigger. Know, ho- yeah, hopefully, hopefully people listen to it and then dive a bit deeper. But yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I think what's, that's what most people do. Like that's what I did at, at least when I discovered that track. Was like, shit, I need to find other stuff this guy made. That's <laughs> yeah. that's usually so, how it works. Yeah, so hopefully it's good advertisement. But yeah, it's yeah definitely a special track for me. Yeah. Awesome. It's been brilliant chatting with you. Uh, you have a long, long day ahead of you, and I'm going to <laughs> go to bed soon. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, not at all. Uh, before we shut off, maybe let people know. I don't know if you have any upcoming projects, tracks. Where can people check you out? Any events you're playing at? All that stuff. Um. The, yeah, I guess the 12 Tones EP on the North Quarter is the big one, so it should be out now. Um, I've got a track with Red Eyes coming actually on his next project for Five Alley. Um, and then I've also just put out a track on that um, that Ukraine compilation as well. Yeah. Called Still Life, which, yeah, nearly was on the Gossam EP, but had a few sample issues. So mm. it's just been in a few mixes. So yeah, I think that's a. Good, good, good one as well. Um, Gig-wise, I've got got something locked in for Auckland. I was meant to do sort of a a party last week to kind of, which was going to coincide with the single release, but yeah, everything shut down at the moment. So hopefully, end of May, I should be doing something in Auckland, but it's still mm-hmm. to be announced. So I won't, I won't, <laughs> won't let up more than that. But yeah, that, that's probably the main thing at the moment for me. Uh, yeah, I think like most of the promoters in New Zealand are all kind of. Yeah. No, no one's quite clear when things are going to open, so taking it slow, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come back. It's a, it's just a phase. Yeah, yeah the, the scene was sort of definitely firing on all cylinders before the pandemic and when it's opened up in between, the, everything that I've been to has been just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's never been stronger in New yeah. Zealand. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, yeah. best of luck with the release hope it goes well I'm sure it will but best of yeah, luck thanks anyways. so much man yeah, <laughs> maybe mate Nathan should get in touch yeah 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 definitely yeah. check out some of the stuff yeah yeah alright well best cool, of man. luck with everything and uh, yeah. I'll leave you to it cheers man thanks so much man See you. catch ya